Okay. So Pastor Don has been doing a short series on being strong and courageous. And so this morning I'm sharing part three, which is facing the future with confidence. Oh, they're getting there. Don't worry. Hope, hope is one of the pillars of our Christian faith. So when we look forward, how can we hope and have confidence in facing the future? That was the question recorded in 2 Chronicles 32, asked of the king of Judah, Hezekiah. In 2 Corinthians 32, sorry, not Corinthians, Chronicles. We're in the Old Testament. Are you guys, oh, you're up there. Oh, you are. It's just not on the back screen anymore. 2 Chronicles 32, 9 to 10. Later, when the king of Assyria and all his forces were laying siege, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing your confidence? That you remain in Jerusalem under siege. Hezekiah had faithfully served God, and yet his kingdom, Judah, was under attack from the king of Assyria at this time. And he asked the question, on what are you basing your confidence? Assyria was the dominant world power at that time, yet despite their seemingly undefeatable attack on Judah, Hezekiah was confident in facing what was ahead. How was Hezekiah's confidence formed, we can ask? What was it founded on? What was it that gave him amazing confidence in the face of what they were facing at that time? We can learn from that today. So that's just what we're going to be going through, what happened, and learning from it for our lives. Firstly, Hezekiah sorted out his and Judah's relationship with God. That's the first thing he did. He'd come to the throne of Judah as a young man aged 25 years. He had everything going for him. He had power, authority, money. He could have anything or anyone he wanted. But this young man wasn't satisfied with living the high life. He chose to realize his potential and to make a difference. He had within him a divinely placed discontent with the ordinary. And so he chose to deal with his past, and the very first thing he does is sort out Judah's relationship with God. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1 to 5, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side, and said, Listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Moving forward with confidence in life can never happen until we sort out our relationship with God. It's only then are we able to come out of the shadow of our past. We can blame our past on our present problems, but Hezekiah had a terrible past. His father Ahaz was one of the most wicked kings in Judah's history. But that didn't stop Hezekiah from sorting himself out and committing himself wholeheartedly to the Lord. Past problems can create a barrier to present-day blessings. 
So Hezekiah orders the removal of every defilement, everything which he feels would be objectionable to God. No wonder God blessed him. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14, Brothers, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. The sentiment behind the words to forget what is behind is not not failing to remember, it's refusing to let the past dictate how we live today. Don't make the past your focus. Put it behind you by giving yourself afresh to Jesus. He gives us a new start. He gives us a new future. I love this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And I know for myself, in all my years of walking with the Lord, that is what's happening now. I think there's a, a presence of God, an anointing of God that I've never known before us, that we're in at the moment and that is available for us to walk in. It's exciting times. You can prepare for God's new things in your life by firstly asking Jesus to forgive your past sins. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it's one of my favorite verses and I still have to do it often. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we walk in the light, doing the things he shows us to do, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. That is such, I mean, how we can't do it. They couldn't keep the law. We can't keep the law. All he asks us to do, Jesus asks us to do when we give our lives to him, is walk in what he shows us. Walk in the light of what he's showing us. You can't compare yourself with someone else. Just walk in what he's showing you. He promises then to cleanse you from every sin and keep you covered with his blood. Okay? It's such a powerful verse. Secondly, surrender past hurts and successes to Jesus and focus on his power to change your life now. And forgive as often as you want to be forgiven. Hezekiah's divine discontent led him to develop a disciplined devotional life. He wasn't leaving his present or his future success to chance. This young man was disciplined in his devotion to God, and so what he did in private flowed into the decisions he made in public. If you want to change the outside, you change the inside, because who we are always comes out, no matter how hard you try to keep it down. The only way we can change the inside is allow God Allow Jesus to come in and work in your life. And that's not a one day, once thing. It's every day, every day letting him in. Usually there's one thing that we can do that will draw us closer to God. Most often that will be related to either our study of the word of God so that we're feeding on his word and getting to know his character and who he is and 
his ways, and that's how he speaks to us. We can trust his word. Also, time in prayer, just talking to him, being honest, listening, waiting on him, and especially obeying. That's walking in the light, obeying what he shows you. That's the key to be covered and um, with his blood and cleansed. What is the one thing that will take you to the next level in your relationship with God? That's the question that we're asking ourselves this morning. The psalmist said in Psalm 27 verse 4, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And that end result only happens as we do it daily. Then we'll just walk on to eternity, that having that relationship with him every day will lead us to eternity with him. Jesus said to a young man who came to him in Mark 10 verse 21, One thing is required of you. Jesus said to Mary and Martha in Luke 10 verse 42, One thing is needed. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.13 said, This one thing I do. Again, that question we need to ask ourselves this morning, what is the one thing the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about or me about this morning that will grow our relationship with him, with God? Often our capacity to say no to the ordinary and the time wasters will determine our ability to say yes to the one thing. Basically, it's like making room for him in our lives. When you're disciplined in your devotion to him, you sow today what you will reap tomorrow. Hezekiah dealt with the past and then he began to bring a right order back into the lives of people of Judah. He re-established worship, reading of God's word, godly values, and the people consecrated their lives to the Lord, serving him. In 2 Chronicles 31, verse 20 and 21, this is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord as God, and everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands. He sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. If you want to face the future with confidence, do it on God's terms. But it also takes determination to persevere. And most of our lives are same old, same old every day, aren't they? Doing the same things over and over again. And we get good at doing those things. And we've got to keep persevering and doing them each day. Hezekiah was a young man who sought his God and so he prospered. But he also learned not to give up in the face of adversity. And adversity will come to all of us. In Galatians 6 verse 9 it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He promises a harvest if we don't give up. In Hebrews 12 verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and I often think of that as the ones who've gone before, Leone, Evan, there's so many of them, 
that have gone before, especially in this last year, a lot of our teenagers have, have gone before us. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Don't give up so daily. Those things in, of prayer and the word and obedience and we, we'll, we will reap an eternal harvest and be able to face the future with confidence. And fourthly, put your confidence in God. Hezekiah faced what seemed to be insurmountable odds as the mighty Assyrian army was set against him. The king of Assyria had said to Hezekiah, on what do you base your confidence? And the enemy is always out there challenging our confidence, trying to pull us down, trying to get us give up, to give up. And it's just like this in this, um, this scriptures. What are you basing your confidence on? You know, it's, it's um, like a mockery, isn't it, really? And that's often what he does. Those thoughts come in, you know. Who do you think you are? But Hezekiah's confidence was in God. And so he said to his people in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7 and 8, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king said. Often our confidence is increased also when God gives us the ability to see in the eye of the spirit situations the way he sees them, because we tend to see them in the natural, but he sees them in the spiritual. I love there's a verse that says, the unseen is more real than the seen. And the spiritual realm is more real than what we see in the natural. But we live in the natural, so we, we tend to go to that naturally. So we have to ask God to show us things. When Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the army of Aram, the servant cried out, Elisha, what are we going to do? And so what did Elisha do? In 2 Kings 6 verse 16, he said, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. No matter what you're facing now, no matter what you might face in the future, you can be assured that God loves us. We know that from his word. He sent his son for us. He loves us. He loves us so much. And his plans for us are for good and not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. And that he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he's always with us. And if we'll call on his name, we will be saved. If we put our confidence in that, it can't be shaken because it's the word of God. It can't be shaken. Jesus said, if you do what I tell you, you'll be on a rock. It can't be shaken. No matter how many storms come against you, it will stand. Your life will stand. 
we can have confidence in facing the future if it's if our confidence is not placed in our own abilities, our own strengths, our own wisdom and resources, but our confidence is also in God. That cannot be shaken. I just wanted to share a few thoughts from my own life on, now what was that? It's about courage and strength, isn't it, today? And having confidence. Okay, I used to be shy and very quiet growing up. And even as a Christian, I've struggled a lot with a lack of confidence. And yet Jesus has asked me to do things that naturally I would have run away from. Thankfully, he chooses the weak things of this world to show his glory. And he promises that when we're weak, he's strong. There's that other scripture. I was thinking of it this morning. His grace is sufficient in our weakness. He makes us strong. So as we rely on him, we have a strength that's supernatural, not natural. So about 20 years ago, Don asked me to preach in church, and I'd only ever done Sunday school. It was easier. But my initial response was, no, not going to do it. But when I talked it over with the Lord in my quiet time, he showed me that he wanted me to do it. Now, that changed things. I mean, yeah. So he showed me that it was fear of man and fear of failure that were paralyzing me and overpowering my heart's desire to do as well. And it was interesting to think, well, you know, how's he going to give me the strength and the courage to get to move past that and get out of that? He did in my Bible reading. And I, you, I'll read it to you because it was, um, this scripture gave me the courage and the motivation to push past my fears and to walk into the good things he had for me to do. In Revelations 21, verse 6 to 8, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But, and it was these two words, the cowardly. I'd never read that before, but when I read it that time, it's like he said, see, you're being a coward. And it was, when you read the rest of it, that got me going. It sure did. So rather than a fear of man and the fear of failure, it was a, um, a fear, a fear of God, a good fear of God that got me going. Because it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And I thought, nope. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be a coward. Uh, when I realized he saw that my attitude was cowardly, it was a wake-up call. So I did start obeying him and preaching, and he does give me the strength. I mean, still my heart races and, and I get nerves, but I just think, well, that's okay. I'm confident in him and me to be able to do it. So I just ignore those symptoms and keep going. So his love, in his love, he helped me break free from those things that were robbing me of doing the good works he had for me. 
when Jesus asks us to do something, he always, always equips and empowers you to do it. Always. He's not going to ask you to do something and not give you the ability. It's just because it's new, you think you can't do it. But you can in him. And he promises in in those verses I just read that if we're thirsty, he'll give us the water of life. He'll give us what we need to do those things that are hard. He also promises his Holy Spirit in us will teach us and train us to be able to do what he's asking us to do. Another thing that he asked me to do was to be chaplain at Wongrow Primary. That was about seven or eight years ago. Again, the first thing that happens is my fears just inside me, just I can feel them come up. And um, straight away he said to me, it's okay, I'll be with you. Um, and he's encouraged me every step of the way, and especially in the area of the spiritual battle, um, because of the spiritual battle that you, you're in when you're doing these sort of things, when you're out. When we're out every day, there's a spiritual battle. We're going to places and meet people, and, and there is a battle going on. So he's, he's so encouraged me that when I go each week, I go with the confidence that I carry his presence with me. And it causes spiritual forces to flee and retreat and, and to bring healing and health and wholeness to the children I work with. He showed me from 2 Kings, chapters 6 and 7, if you want to read it at home tonight because I haven't got time to share it. It was a time when the people of God were trapped in a city by an army and they were starving to death. They had famine. There were four men who were lepers and they were living outside the city walls and they were starving and going to die. They decided that if they stayed there, they'd die. So they thought, well, they can't go to the city. Everyone's starving there. We'll die there. Shall we go to the enemy's camp? They'll probably kill us, but... They might not. They might surrender. They might, we'll surrender to them. They might let us live. The key there is they laid down their lives. And so they, they started walking towards the enemy's camp. And as they did, God sent the sound of a great army, just as they walked. The sound of a great army and the enemy fled before them. They got all confused and they took off, basically. And then they were able to, Israel was free. And just because those guys went off and walked there. But he really spoke to me over the last few years that that is what the anointing he wants to give us out in the community everywhere. That where we go, have a confidence. If we're walking with him daily, that as we go out, we will be, the enemy will be fleeing because we carry his presence. If you're in relationship with him, you carry his presence and he can cause the enemy to flee. He can cause your footsteps going into those places spiritually to cause the enemy to run and to go into confusion. I believe that we are in a season where God is pouring out his power through those who will lay down their lives and walk in obedience to what he asks us to do in a way that we've never known before. And I know the call of the Spirit is to each one of us, will we lay down our lives and will we take up what he wants us to do and go for it and carry that, carry his healing, his life-changing presence everywhere we go. And we're going to see 
amazing things. I just know it. We're going to see it. I know like with the children, I can't um, share about Jesus, but that's fine. I see changes. I see their lives change. I see them um, yeah, set free. I pray for them. But the time will come when God will allow, uh, enable us to be able to say how and why. It was even like the other day, one of the teachers came to me and said, oh, she was talking about one of the girls in my group that's from her class, and she said, oh, she said, you've got one of my girls. You better do your magic with her. I thought, mm, okay. She's recognising there's something supernatural going on. I'll wait for the right time. I never said a word. But God is going to, there's going to be a time when they're going to ask, what is it? Are you carrying? What are you carrying? What is it that changes the atmosphere and does that? So let's get back to Hezekiah. We're finishing with this last thought. 2 Chronicles 32, verse 20 and 22. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the leaders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of the king of Assyria and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Hezekiah's confidence was in God, and God was faithful. God can't deny his word. He'll be faithful to you. If he asks you to do something, he'll equip you and enable you to do it. But again, it's that thought, make room for him. Make room. What is the Holy Spirit encouraging you to do this morning? I know he'll be speaking. He, he, every time we come to church, he's wanting to meet with us. He's wanting to speak to us either in the worship or through the word. So I know he'll be speaking to each one of us today and there'll be something he will have spoken to you. And I just encourage you to do it. And there's one last scripture, 1 John 5 verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It's our faith that connected us with Jesus and it keeps us alive with him.